All of the answers to life itself, to the universe, lay in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith that is not dependent on the temporary world is the only way we will get to what really matters, to the eternal, to the immovable. We need God if we want immortality, eternal life. And the only way is through true and genuine faith on Christ alone. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about real faith versus superficial faith. Faith is essential for everything in life, both here and now, but more importantly for eternity. And so it is important to understand what or where our faith is, because that is how faith is defined, by what we choose to put our faith on. If a person chooses to put their faith on the Lord, looking to do His will, then that is real faith. But if a person chooses to put their faith on the superficial, on the things of the world, even though they look to God to get them, then that is superficial faith. Today's message is inspired on John chapter 4, verses 39 to 54. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, in the name of Jesus, I praise you, I worship you, O Lord. Blessed are you, O Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Heavenly Father. Blessed are you, Heavenly Father, because you love us, because you care for us, because, Lord, you want to share your truth with us. Thank you, O Lord, for this opportunity to be able to look at your word. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may please forgive our sins. Help us, O Lord, to have clean hearts and minds, O Lord, before you to be able to be open, to be able to listen to what you want to say. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be able to have true faith, real faith, Lord God, to be able to set our faith on you, O Lord. Blessed are you forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We'll be reading today from John chapter 4, verses 39 to 54. This is the word of the Lord. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. 
So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. I guess I would be stating the obvious if I were to say that we live in an imperfect world, but we do. That's no surprise to anyone. And we all have issues. We all have needs. That's what this imperfect world brings about in each of our lives. That's why we have disease and famine and war and, of course, death. There is nothing perfect in this world. We have physical needs like mundane things such as food, clothing, and shelter. And along with that, many people get sick and diseases and illness come about and sometimes they turn deadly. And these are only some of the physical needs that we have. And of course, we have emotional needs. We all have the need to feel loved. We all want for a person or people to care for us. And along with these kinds of needs, we feel stress, loneliness, worry, and anxiety. We have relational issues with many people around us, and many people have voids as the remnants of broken families. Maybe there has been loss of loved ones, and there are many people that feel insecurity because of the different relationships that are missing or not working right in their lives. But beyond all of that, it is hard for us to realize the greatest need we have until we get a better understanding of reality. Since we are mainly guided by our senses, we typically only think about our needs that involve the here and now. And of course, those are our physical needs and our emotional needs. But there's another side that we usually don't pay attention to and that we confuse with our other needs, and that is our spiritual need. We think that the spiritual need is not important because it cannot be sensed here now, or we think that the spiritual need can be dealt with by taking care of our other temporary needs. But what many don't understand is that spiritual need affects the here and now and eternity. And until we don't deal with that need, then everything else will just be a temporary fix, a band-aid, if you will. The truth is, is that even if all of our physical and emotional needs are met, the spiritual can still be left in dire condition. Nothing in the physical or emotional realm can solve the spiritual problem that we're born with. Whether we believe it or not, we're all born with the spiritual problem. And what's worse is that if we remain content with only having our physical and or emotional needs met, then we will miss dealing with the spiritual need, which is the one that matters the most. The Bible tells us these very basic realities that we need to deal with. In Psalm 51, 5, it says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. In Ezekiel chapter 18, it says, The soul who sins shall die. And in Matthew chapter 16, it says, For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So you see, this sin problem that causes death, both the physical and eternal death, is what affects our spiritual need. And we were born with it. And what we read is that we could gain the whole world, which means that we could have anything and everything met physically and emotionally, but yet still have the problem that our soul could be dead because sin hasn't been dealt with. And the only way we will ever come to truly believe in the Lord is when our greatest need becomes real to us, when we realize that we are dead in our sins. What is one of the ways we can sense the sin problem in our lives? We have an emptiness in our heart, a void that nothing physical or emotional can fill. 
We could have all of the money in the world and that is not enough. We can have physical security and still feel like something is missing, like something is amiss. We could have many people around us and even those people to give all of the love and care and support that we need and still feel empty inside. There is such a thing as feeling alone in a crowd of people. And of course, many people turn to entertainment and to careers and to hobbies and to vices and to sexual adventures and all kinds of different things, both good and evil, to fill the void. But nothing can fill it. In certain moments, everything seems fine and great. But in other times, we feel this great emptiness that we don't know what to do with. The void or empty feeling is a symptom of a soul that is dead in its sins. A person may be alive and breathing and functioning and even laughing and have a great time at moments, but their soul can still be dead. And the problem with that is if a person physically dies with that issue, they are gone forever, completely separated from God. That's reality. And nothing in this world, neither emotional or physical, can change that. Nothing in this temporary existence can do anything to bring back a dead soul back to life. We have a limited future without God in our lives. That is the very thing that God tried to prevent Adam and Eve from going through. He gave them everything good to enjoy, but they chose to disobey God, to do the very thing He told them not to do. And they died spiritually at that very moment. And as a natural consequence of their action, one day they died physically also because their sin introduced corruption into creation. And that's the same cycle that has continued from generation to generation. But when Christ came to this earth and died on the cross and then was raised from the dead, he created a hope, a path, a gateway, a solution to our sin problem. God did something miraculous. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave us the opportunity through His Son, Jesus Christ, to bring back our soul back to life. That's the eternal life He came to give us, and there's nothing else like it. So the question should be, how can I develop true faith? I guess before we go there, we need to answer the question, what is true faith? The Bible defines faith in the following manner. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It involves looking towards something we cannot see yet. So it is something that transcends the here and now, the material world, the physical and emotional needs that we have. And herein lies the problem that most people have. Most people look to solve temporary issues. They look to only solve their physical and emotional needs. Their eyes are set on the world and only on what this place has to offer, which is not much. It is all temporary, and as such, it is superficial. It is passing. Most people miss out on who God is because they choose to live for the superficial. The Bible refers to this as vanity. Everything in this temporary world is superficial and vain because it is passing. Superficial faith does not last and cannot save, and that's the problem with it. Earlier today, in our key passage, we saw two different cases. We saw the Samaritans and the people in Galilee, ultimately the Jews from Galilee. There is a big difference on how both reacted to Jesus. The Samaritans, which were supposedly seen as more sinful and inferior people by the Jews, believed the Lord through his word. They didn't need to see physical signs and wonders. They ultimately exercised true faith. They did not need for the Lord to do certain things to impress them. 
and yet they accepted him and believed in him as who he was and is, the Christ, the Savior of the world. On the other hand, the Jews needed to see signs and wonders, and they only came to believe because there was a certain need met, a physical need. The Lord had to perform a miracle for them to be somehow moved. And the problem with that is that if a person's faith depends on physical and emotional needs met only, then that's what they will always be focused on. Their heart is not set on the eternal. And the flaw in that faith is that when things don't work out the way that they want them to, their faith will fall apart. And when faith falls apart and is no more, then how can there be salvation? For it is written, the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? What life is that short phrase talking about? Eternal life. When faith is gone, there is no eternal life. And that is when the flesh gains complete control over a person and the flesh only produces corruption. And of course, there is no life in corruption. Corruption brings about death. And so, where can we see an example of why superficial faith is a problem? Easy. When the Lord was sentenced to being crucified, just days before he was sentenced, people were shouting praises to the Lord saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And many of those same people, when Jesus was arrested and facing a mockery of a trial, were then shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And they sent the Messiah, the Christ, the only begotten son of God to die in the most horrible way. And some might say it had to be that way. And yes, it's true. But God didn't impose that feeling on those people. They felt turning their back on the Lord all on their own. For the scriptures say, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. Bad things had to happen, but everyone that had their part in them did them willfully. Judas Iscariot sold the Lord, but because he wanted to. The word says that the devil came upon him, but it was because he was thinking more about the 30 pieces of silver he was going to get for selling out the Lord. And so that betrayal was all voluntary. The same thing with the people that yelled to have him crucified. When a person is only focused on the temporary and superficial world, only looking to have their physical and emotional needs met, they will turn away from the Lord at some point, sooner or later, guaranteed. Now, is it wrong to have our temporary needs met? Of course not. God wants for us to depend on Him for everything, but the problem is staying stuck on that. That's the problem. The Lord allows for certain things to happen in our lives so we can look for Him, so we can realize that we need Him. But once He shows up in our lives and shows us who He is, then our attention should leave the temporary and go to what is most valuable, to Him. That is what should happen. When the Lord came into the picture of my life, if you will, I was sick and felt alone. My world was falling apart, even though I was very young. I didn't have much left to trust in because everything I knew was being torn apart. My family was falling apart. We had lost everything financial, and I was in very bad state health-wise. But one day, when God had mercy on me, He, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to me through a woman on a Sunday afternoon. I didn't go looking for Him. He went looking for me through her. And God used her to speak to me and to help me understand that He loved me and that He wanted to forgive my sins and that He wanted to give me eternal life. 
and that he wanted to be with me forever in my heart by faith. I have to say that when she told me that God could be in my heart forever, that I would never be alone again, that was the very thing that really caught my attention. I didn't realize how alone I felt until that moment that he told me through her, here I am. At that moment, I didn't even really think about anything else. I wasn't thinking about my physical and emotional problems anymore. My soul had found an answer in the Lord. And at that moment, I repented from all of my sins and I believed and accepted Jesus as the Lord of my life and I asked him to come into my heart. I didn't need to see anything else. I didn't need to know anything else. I didn't need for him to prove himself to me. His Holy Spirit, his love for me, his sacrifice was more than enough for me to surrender my life to him. And I have never been the same since then. I wouldn't be alive if it was not for the Lord. He healed me. But quite frankly, my decision for him has remained strong since then, not because he healed me or took care of my temporary needs. I gave my life to him before even thinking about those things. Quite frankly, I didn't even pray to be healed. I don't remember doing that. Others may have prayed for me, but I didn't even pray for that for myself. So having said all of that, what does real faith generate then? Real faith generates the eternal, love. My faith in the Lord has generated love for the Lord. I have continued deciding each day after my initial decision for the Lord because I have learned to love Him because He first loved me. What will always haunt me is the fact that God chose to love such an insignificant person like myself. How could God ever love me and take interest in me? Why? That's what will always be in my heart, that the God of the universe cares for me. That is the faith that changes everything in a person. And that is how the law and the prophets are fulfilled. That is how true salvation occurs. We need to focus on the eternal if we want to have true faith and learn how to love the Lord. There is no other way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We haven't seen or heard what he has for those that love him, but our faith, our love for him, helps us to believe and to push forward towards him based on that faith and love for him. One day, our faith will be realized, but all of the eternal will manifest itself after this temporary condition is done away with. But meanwhile, the Bible also teaches us that when we love the Lord, Romans chapter 8 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things here and now, even those things that seem painful and challenging at the moment, will work to our eternal benefit if we love him. But on the other hand, there is a natural consequence when we don't love the Lord, and that is when we remain in corruption, in death, in what is cursed, if we choose not to love Him, if we choose to love the world instead. For it also says, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed, O Lord, come. 
That is why it is necessary to have true faith, to ultimately love the Lord, because that is the only way that we get away from the accursed, from corruption, ultimately from death, from the sin in our life. And we then pursue what really matters. There's only life in one person, in one entity in the whole universe, and that is in God. And like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All of the answers to life itself, to the universe, lay in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith that is not dependent on the temporary world is the only way we will get to what really matters, to the eternal, to the immovable. We need God if we want immortality, eternal life. And the only way is through true and genuine faith on Christ alone. Faith in our lives is ultimately defined by what we choose to pursue. If a person chooses to rely and or to look for temporary things only, then that will yield a superficial faith, something that does not move God at all, and that will only produce corruption and eternal destruction. A person may say that they believe in God and that they trust in the Lord, but if all they care about is the temporary world and only the things that are in it, and even try to use God to get those things, they're still living for the flesh. And if a person is only concerned with the things of the flesh, then they're only living for corruption, even if they involve God with it. And that is one of the most common problems in our Christian community today. Most people only want God's signs and wonders. They only want to use God to get superficial and temporary things, carnal things, things of the flesh that one day are here and the next gone. And when a person attempts to use God to try to take advantage of his goodwill and his desire to help them, they will get exactly what they desire. They want the flesh so much that they're even willing to overlook the Lord God Almighty that gives them everything for inferior things. Then God will let them have what they so desire. And that will be their reward. This is what the Lord says about those people that attempt to use him. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. If a person looks for the Lord and learns to love and appreciate him for everything he is and does, then that's when there's true faith. And that's the faith that produces everlasting life. Why? because we're focused not on corruption, not on the flesh, but on Him that produces life and life in abundance. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 tells us about this spiritual reality that exists where it says conclusively, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. There is no fooling God. We will get what we really want and nothing more and nothing less. The question is, what is it that you really want for yourself? Do you only want the things of the flesh, the things of this world? Or do you want what really matters, which is the Lord and His kingdom, the eternal, that which is perfect in every way? I would urge you to look for the eternal, for your own good. Be fair with the Lord and learn to love Him because that is the all of man, because that is the only way to immortality. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, 
Blessing and honor and glory be to you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for your Holy Spirit, for your word, for your truth. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O Lord, to be able to have a true faith, a real faith, to be able to place that faith on you because you're the only one that really matters. Everything that we see, everything that we have now, Lord God, will one day go away. That's, that's reality. Nothing here will last forever. Only you last forever. Only you are eternal. Help us to understand that, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to be focused on you. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to have our hearts and minds and everything that we are on you first, Lord God, to give you that first place that you deserve, Heavenly Father. I know that it doesn't mean to do away with everything else, but help us to understand that you need to be first and that our faith, our trust, everything that we are needs to be put on you, especially our love, that we need to love you first. Help us, O Lord, to ultimately be fair with you to be able to return even just a small portion of such great things that you've done for us. Thank you for your sacrifice through your son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us to value what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.